This is your Drive Time News Blast, 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, Italy is closed. Who knew? Who saw that coming? It's shut down. Italy is completely shut down. And uh, Mayor Governor Cuomo in New York, as you pointed out, sent the National Guard to New Rochelle, where I have relatives who live there, because bullets kill the coronavirus, apparently. Yeah, that's that's they've done a study on that, and that can take care of the the coronavirus. It also takes care of the person. Right, you never get sick again. Right, but it eradicates it the virus. All disease. I actually heard on Fox today, and I was super annoyed because I thought of this, and I didn't think of it because like I was led to think of it. I freaking thought of it, and they scooped me, and the honest journalist that I am, I have to say, I heard it today, but I was going to say it anyway. This will probably... Result, well, they didn't say this exactly, but this will probably result in the mildest cold and flu season in history. Oh, really? Because Everybody's... nobody's communicating. So I heard that about chickenpox right. a long time ago. Like if everybody just stayed in a room and had social no distancing. Right. If everybody social distanced for two weeks, chickenpox and a lot of other stuff would be completely eradicated because very few communicable diseases can survive two weeks outside host. So if you beat it, you're not you, it's you're not contagious anymore and nobody else is going to get it from you. So I think if they actually showed us real year over year numbers, which they absolutely never will, you can't trust them. It would show that. And I, I have to say when I was growing up, one thing I couldn't really get my mind around what my father would teach me. He was like a I think he considered himself a classical liberal. He called himself a conservative, but he was a traditional conservative. And he would teach, he would say, like, the government shouldn't spend money on anything but the police, the army, and the courts. And people, of course, would argue for space exploration or research, scientific research. And he would say, no, 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 no. And I really couldn't fully understand it. He was just saying it's not a legitimate function of government. But now I see when the government is paying for all the research at the institutions and is hand in hand in partnerships with corporations and are responsible for all the data they give us, they can't be trusted because it is a pathocracy. Their interests are actually in opposition to ours. So we would like to have the real data, but they won't give it to us. And the scientific community is obviously complicit because they will not point out that the measurements are completely fraudulent or faulty from a side. They point it out, but not in a way that says, hey, we need to not panic at all. This thing is completely unmeasured. And when you do actually get accurate measurements, it just, it's a nothing burger. Yeah, well, mass hysteria has kicked in and that's going to make it hard to do real measurements. Which was the point. And I want to read... Would this be an okay time for me to read three passages from Event 201? I I resist the urge to read. I don't want to rehash stuff we've done before. But it is just time to to really absorb where we are in the Event 201 rollout. Yes, I would like to say this about mass hysteria real quick. People can create their own symptoms. Your brain can tell your body and your body can react to it. Oh, that's called psychosomatic. Yeah. and You actually get sick. Yeah, exactly. So when mass hysteria kicks in, it can become really hard to determine the difference between someone who has something like the flu or the coronavirus and someone who has manifest those symptoms 
through mass hysteria. Or has a cold and and actually convinces themselves they're way, way sicker. Coronachondria. Yeah, yeah. coronachondria. So I do, I, I really, I, I, I want to talk about all the things that are in here. Actually, J.J. Boogie, who's, I can never stop thinking about when we do this show because he made the great music. He messaged me, it's all your fault, Monica, yours and Binkley's. I can't read or watch the news the same way anymore. LOL. So he's laughing about it, but welcome to my world of torture. (laughs) (laughs) I have the same problem. But the Eventua one thing is just so unbelievably outrageous. It's infuriating. I mean, people are really, I mean, jobs will be lost. Lives will be lost, as you pointed out. It's outrageous, and it's completely 100% psychological. This is the first time I've ever seen that the crisis is the reaction, and the reaction is coming from the top. And unbelievably, that is the Event 201 agenda. And that's what I want to read to you. Let's, Let's hear it. You down? Yeah, I'm down. Okay, so the summary thing where the chick's doing like the fake newscasts, we're going to we're going to stitch together my last WSB shows where we played all these clips, the stuff that I think killed the Monica Perez show. And so you can hear them. But here I just want to read the last line of the last newscast. It was a retrospective on the live the novel coronavirus pandemic that was simulated by Event 201. She says, uh. Economists say the economic turmoil caused by the pandemic would last for years, perhaps a decade. The societal impacts, loss of faith in government, distrust of news, and loss of social cohesion could last even longer. So part of the thing was to have loss of faith in government, distrust of news, and loss of social cohesion for more than a decade. That's permanent. So that's that's the big picture that we're seeing unfold every yeah. single day, right? But they they actually break it out in the call to action on the Johns Hopkins thing, which is four pages. I could read, a de- maybe I will read a different sentence every day. There are two sentences I want to read. One is, it says, this is action item number three, companies, countries, organizations, transportation should work together to maintain travel and trade during severe pandemics. Okay, here's the sentence. A particularly fast-moving and lethal pandemic could result in political decisions to slow or stop movement of people and goods, potentially harming economies already vulnerable in the face of an outbreak. So the fear is that bad political decisions will impair the economy. And that's what's happening. So when you look and you say this incompetent government, why would they ever make themselves look so bad? Because the pattern of government is to create incredible problems and then offer solutions that they themselves will implement. And if you look at what's happening now, you see we have absolutely no power. So you look and think it's incompetence. You look and think whatever. They're just, this is all an illusion to get us to think that there's a progression here from A to B and B is the policy. But it has nothing, we're not consenting to it. People aren't noodling about it. It's predetermined. It is faded by these people, these they, the them. And there's one more thing. It says, so this is, I think, one of the big, big goals is global businesses should recognize the economic burden of pandemics and fight for stronger preparedness. This is when they say, don't prepare, but lobby governments for policies that will anticipate a pandemic like this. So it says tools should be built 
that help large private sector companies visualize business risks posed by infectious disease and pathways to mitigate risk through public-private cooperation to strengthen preparedness. I mean, tools should be built. This is the tool. The tool is the scare. Yeah. And it says a severe pandemic would greatly interfere with workforce health, business operations, and the movement of goods and services. A catastrophic level outbreak can also have profound and long-lasting effects on entire industries, the economy, and societies in which business operates. While governments and public health authorities serve as the first line of defense against fast-moving outbreaks, their efforts are chronically underfunded and lack sustained support. Global business leaders should play a far more dynamic role as advocates with a stake in stronger pandemic preparedness. So they are talking about how to get companies to understand they have skin in the game, make them lose money, justify that they're lobbying government to, this is what the whole fascism is. It's putting, it's laying the cost off onto the government of corporate responsibilities that are, that should be fully contained within the corporation. And the way the mentality is you, you're actually not fulfilling your fiduciary duty. If you don't use government as one of the tools in your toolbox. And they wanted to make sure that companies understood that it was a main goal. And I think companies understand it now. Absolutely. This reminds me of how Edward Bernays described getting companies to cooperate and pushing the World War I effort to get the United States into the war. It was their civic duty to cooperate with the government initiative and their agenda and their talking points and pressure was put on them. Now, in this case, I think people are responding strictly based on fear and panic. What are the long-term implications? Like how well, this to, how is a substitute these... for war, for yeah. sure. This is a substitute for war. And it, they also said in that eventual thing to reach out to the faith leaders. And I completely think the Pope is in on this. He's got a cold and people are a little worried. So it made me think of a... Oh, the long-term implications, I would say. Actually, we were talking about that with James Corbett. If people want to hear that interview, it was great. You just dropped it in the Propaganda Report feed. But that the long-term implications, he was saying, he actually went a step further than I go, which is he was saying this might be the trigger for like the global currency and the real kind of merger of world-level organizations into an effective or de facto government, world government. I, I actually think... We're not quite there yet, but I do feel like they're trying to get a more virtual world. Yeah. They're trying to, they're just trying to do a lot of things right at about once that. and they're doing it. They're getting it done. The virtual <laughs> thing you hit on that a few weeks ago, I think, and that has been playing out everywhere. Virtual school, virtual doctor appointments, cashless. I mean, cash is filthy. Don't get me wrong. It's filthy. <laughs> that, that's it's a major. For you. Germs are good for you, by the way. Not all of them. All not of them all are of good. Them, I mean, germs can also kill you. I don't know what this. I mean, you. I'm not commenting not on what what the virus is or is not. By the way, I think people should wash their hands. It could very well be something that's that's stronger than the flu. I, I have no idea. I just right. reacting to the reaction. No, of the I panic. totally agree. Yeah, I mean, they did have gain of function research, so that could be BS or it could be real. It's probably real. And I'm it's, sure it's ve- real. Yeah. And it's, but I don't know if it's out there. Who knows? I doubt it, but it is certainly possible. I don't know. It's definitely possible. And either way, since more people who are sick are going to be concentrated in small areas, it's going to increase the number of people that are sick, especially people in those high risk categories. So it seems impossible and overwhelming. And this is probably part of why there's such a panic. And maybe it's maybe there's some intention there. But to try and stay 
clean from viruses, when you think about all of the things around us and all the interactions, it's all. it feels like, well, if this many people have been infected that is claimed, then it would seem that it's impossible to prevent. Oh, they're saying that. Oh, that's what they're saying now. Oh, yeah. They're saying it's absolutely no way to keep it from spreading. Right. So it makes you... It, <laughs> no, it makes it's you, ridiculous. And it doesn't kill you. So who cares? Yeah. Well, it kills... It's, it, it's, it's apparently killing... Oh, what they're doing now I don't is think it's killing more people than any other virus or cold in any other season. I just... I'm not... There's. I am not convinced. They're saying it is. I don't know if it's true or not, but they're claiming that it's a higher... Are they? It's going to be a higher... They're saying that it's like the predicted fatality rate is going to be 1% versus the flu is 0.1%. And that this spreads faster and easier. That's what they're claiming today. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. but I'd like to see the numbers of how many people actually die of pneumonia in 2020 versus 2019. Yeah, that's that'd be good numbers to compare. Somebody was talking about that and that the numbers that you show are different on every channel and people manipulate numbers to take them out of right. context. It's Right. There's so, even a theme about that. So when I t- talked yesterday about the guy, the Johns Hopkins interview on West Moss, he said, well, the denominator is the problem. They're actually taking the fatalities and they're comparing it with the symptomatic cases, not the infected cases. And then uh, the guy who shut down Indian Wells, the tennis tournament, and it's probably the same guy who shut down Coachella and Stagecoach, by the way, which have been canceled, that he was saying the same thing in the same words. He's like, it's the denominator that's the problem. Right. And so these social distancing measures, which they're saying is by separating apart, it's been proven that extreme social distancing and they're modeling some of it off of China and some other countries like South Korea, which are enacting severe social distancing or what some would call tracking and quarantining and locking down in your homes. They're saying that this has been proven. And we talked about this. They're going to these sort of draconian methods are going to be modeled over here. The worse this gets. And now we're seeing it's even got to the point where the Ivy League NCAA basketball tournament has been canceled. They canceled the tournament. And that's rare. I mean, the winner of that tournament gets into the NCAA. That's like a major that's a dream come true for yeah. these schools because it gets March them financially. And, and, I mean, this <laughs> is a major shutting down these major money makers right now. Yes. I'm wondering how March Madness is going to play out. I mean, this is I'm March Madness. This is March Madness. Yeah. <laughs> it's madness. I mean, th- th- I'd never imagined that they would actually cancel one of the NCAA basketball Right. That's why when you go back to the event 201 stuff and you see one of the other things she said right there was – uh, it said the global economy was in free fall. The GDP down 11%. Stock markets around the world plummeted between 20 and 40% and headed into a downward cycle of fear and low expectation. If they're, that's what, that's what is so maddening about this event to a one thing. They are triggering a recession. They are actually triggering a recession, like ch- cutting off people's revenue like that is a hard stop that will, I don't know if it'll last. Then, so here's something, what's happening, what's actually happening is they are hyper-stimulating both monetary and fiscally. So they brought the interest rates down a half points where they're at 1% now. Rumor has it they're going to do a whole nother half percent at the next meeting and maybe even another half percent, which would be a zero interest rate at the end of an expansion, which means negative interest rate territory is coming. And they're also talking about fiscal stimulus. They already said $8 billion. There's going to be more. Trump wants to cut the payroll tax. That would be an, a really, that would be a truly unprecedented fiscal stimulus. And now I'm thinking, I'm going back to before I ever heard of the coronavirus, when I said, how the hell are they going to stimulate through the Trump election without making it obvious? I mean, and I was speculating it was the repo markets, but this is exactly what's happening. So now 
pure speculation. I'm just speculating. But I feel like when the coronavirus moves into the southern hemisphere, and by that I mean when cold and flu season ends here and goes down south like it always does during that during our summer, then maybe that this tremendous amount of outsized stimulus that isn't needed in the long run, that really is just needed in the very short run, but doesn't actually work in the very short run, is going to hit like a ton of bricks and you will have a big rally in the stock market. I'm just speculating. I have no idea. I'm not putting my money in this, so don't nobody else. But that might be your October surprise that gets him in. And then, lo and behold, it's the cold and flu season come back to the Northern Hemisphere in November and you get the real, the real nuclear winter of the 2008 fiscal crisis that was that the can was kicked. I'm just speculating on a scenario. I am not putting my money on that, but it could be. I would think they would want it to hit before November to have a bigger impact on the election. What do you mean? To cause people to vote a certain way. You can blame yes, it on. Yes, that's why I'm saying I think it's going to go gangbusters, get Trump elected, and then after the election, we have to have this crash. This crash is coming. So I think they were trying to kick the can till the, I have been speculating for a while that they need to kick that can just through the election. How are they going to do it? And I think this might be the way. I'm curious about what measures are going to be implemented to enable people to still vote without having to go to the voting booth. That's what I, I tweeted that yesterday. Internet voting. This is how they usher in internet voting. I bet Stacey Abrams is, is right. leading the charge on Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And maybe this is the election crisis 2020 that their tripwire guy, although Russia is going to come into play here. Of course they are. Russia's absolutely, it's a, it's a Rolodex of issues. It comes back and Russia's going to be right. But Russia's I mean, starting, they're going to come back soon. It's got to dovetail with the coronavirus somehow. Yeah, Russia's been saying that we, it's a bioweapon, and Iran's been saying we made a bioweapon. That's what they're saying. But that plays into the Event 201 narrative. That's fine, but that's still, the narrative, whatever, it's still, it's going to be in the news. So that's, yesterday we talked about how Trump is like being defiant, according to the media, and I was wondering how long it was going to be till they started demanding the Trump quarantine, and that pretty much happened yesterday, right after our show, as they were talking about how Trump is at risk now, even though he hasn't been tested, and he's not self-isolating, he was on the same plane as... His staff members are isolating, by the way, and he was on the same plane as somebody who was at CPAC Yeah, and who shook somebody's (laughs) hand. And so we're starting to see this idea that Trump needs to self-isolate. I bet we hear it about Bernie also. And now they're talking about how Trump and Bernie are still having rallies, even though it's been advised not to have rallies. So if we see more spread, we could blame it on Trump because he's getting these masses of people together in these different cities. And perhaps if it is spreading, that is going to be a factor. I don't know. I want to read off to you, piggyback off of that, just this real impact it's having. In Georgia, Fulton County Schools' entire county is closed today. Fourth biggest county in the state. And and we don't know for how long it's closed because one of the teachers who interacted with a lot of students, who interacted with a lot of other teachers, they say tested positive. So now they're testing people. And the way they presented this story is that this guy was at, was at the school and he all of a sudden fell ill, so ill that 911 was called and he was rushed to the hospital. And it presents the story. It changes the way you think about coronavirus because before you think about it as something that is not something that could strike you down in an instant. But when you hear this story where this guy suddenly fell ill and rushed to the hospital, 
that changes the dynamic of it. Wow, it's not it's not like a flu or pneumonia where it gradually goes through you. Right, so it you instantly can treat takes it, over you your can body. Rest, you can take some vitamin C. It's a more imminent You've fear. Panic yeah. the second somebody like coughs. Yeah, they didn't say his age though, but I expect to see more younger people. Right. As patients, because right now people who aren't old aren't as afraid of it. Other things, CNN studio tours are closed. You can't tour CNN today. <laughs> what? What is coronavirus taking away from us if we can't tour CNN? Child care networks, uh, homeschool network, living science home homeschool, uh, a bunch of different private prep academies. The, the list of schools closing in Georgia are growing by the second, it feels like. Hmm. Well, I was trying to insert a little levity into the situation. And as usual, I'm just like uh, a little too far gone into my own world that so I tweeted this is exactly what happened when I tweeted like fake ISIS I didn't tweet them I just showed some of my fake ISIS yeah. video yeah. <laughs> and people like that's awful I'm like no but the first, the original one was fake so this one's really right they don't really yeah. fake you know and just they're not quite balloon. there yet lead uh, yeah. balloon. so uh I forget you know so I tweeted. <laughs> yeah, I saw this one coming. I really when you when you tell you tell me to uh, you're like look at Twitter. I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> I'm getting too late. This I don't think people are quite recording. there with you on this one yet. <laughs> so I said, oh, reading tweets tomorrow on the show. Uh, question: Who will be the first? Because <laughs> somebody so will. I know, I know, I know. Who will be the first celebrity victim of the coronavirus? And I was going to actually start the bidding at the Pope. <laughs> That would have been even better. So actually, people loved it. And I got a lot of answers. And then there was someone like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, no. Um, Do you want the curtain pulled back or do you want to just blue pill this one? Because it's not pretty. So, uh, what? but I did get some good answers and they're going to be gone forever shortly. So I got... Um, if it's if it's Aunt Becky, I'll be extra suspicious. That's a good yeah. one. Someone suggested uh, Bill Cosby will be the first inmate to go. Could be, could be. Then I got a really good one from Lenio. It says Dan Quayle. He's the perfect metaphor. His tiny, insignificant gaffe, misspelling potato, destroyed his political career. And the coronavirus, this seemingly insignificant bug, is being used to destroy everything. It can cause serious issues, but it is overblown. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Great analogy but yeah. I think I think the symbolic meaning of that is going to be lost on this generation. <laughs> I think so. Dan Quayle is probably not like a little kid. He, I didn't know he's still Dan alive. He's oh yeah. I mean, he's super young too. I think he's young. I don't know. He was young at the time. <laughs> I hadn't heard of that name in a long time. But it was good. It was good. So anyway, there's a lot. Oh, yeah, this was the one. Greta Thunberg, J.J. Boogie said, then she can blame climate change. And that's when someone just went too far. Leave yes. that child alone. <laughs> Dang, LOL. And what a topic to post. Damn, really? Hopefully none. Enough is enough. Wishing everyone good health. I was like, yes, you're right. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> I, I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway. So... Somebody told me something interesting today. One of my, I have some friends that are go to advertising school and they send these advertising 
announcements. Yeah, there's these advertising competitions. Even if you're not in school, you can enter in these advertising brief competitions that companies put out, seeking the next new talent, the next new ideas. And what they do is they send out a brief, and you get the brief, and you create a proposal for the brief, how you would handle it. And they are sending briefs out to schools around the country where the goal for the students is to come up with a way, an advertising campaign, to fight coronavirus mis- and disinformation. Well, I'll be reading more quotes from Event 201 tomorrow. Yeah, that's I mean, right in line. this is the time. I, I put together just a little thing I emailed to you of like the Spiro clips that show like the actual thing unrolling and how they want to use it to suppress media. The thing we did, the special report we did on February 24th, the event 201 link, and then the call to action link from Johns Hopkins. I mean, that's all you need. You go and read that. I mean, I don't know anyone. And I, I normally I'm used to like the most thick headed, like, and no one is thinking it's no big deal. Everyone thinks it's, Ta- it's clearly a psyop. Okay, yeah, that's what I think some people are looking for is they see this information and some person might say, well, they were training for it and they were just pre- they were preparing yes, for it. And, and, I, and a lot of times people do that. And this is the only time I've ever seen where it's impossible to do that. So what does this mean for the lay person who's not all the way in the hole with us? <laughs> just look at this stuff. I mean, I was going to put it on, maybe make a blog post out of it that... These people got together with a plan and they had goals. They unrolled it. I don't even think it's real. So I feel they took the data they knew of how disease spreads every year seasonally. And they made this, this is the purest propaganda event that I've ever witnessed. And it demonstrates to me how utterly and completely powerless we are even when we know, which is why they don't take the extra step and make this stuff top secret, because then a reveal, a whistleblower could cause damage, but they have plausible deniability when it's out there in the world. And I will say, I I have to fill in a blank about this Ted Kaczynski thing I was talking about yesterday. So this is what made me realize, like it dovetailed with that. Like there is absolutely no, we have no control. Like, unless we are literally only using technology that we can whittle from sticks with rocks, then we are really at the mercy of the system. But I immediately realized upon reading this that it was, I just knew I was getting this for a reason. They don't want me to have, it's pretty explosive stuff, Ted Kaczynski's, and it's really compelling. Yeah, And this guy's supposed to be a lunatic, right? But he's not a lunatic, and he would not plead insanity. He took the rap so that he would not plead insanity. And he corresponds with people. He's a genius. So so I was like, but they're giving this to me for a reason. There's a reason I'm reading this. And yesterday after the show, an, uh, an article was suggested to me, New York Times article about how to live like you were in the Stone Age. That's what it said. And it was about rewilding. I want Dean to tweet at me what the hell this all means in the context of rewilding. Rewilding is where they want to take huge, huge tracks, like a third of the Western third of the United States and eliminate, reintroduce apex predators. 
oh, and wow. eliminate all civilization. <laughs> yeah. And they want to do it to corral people into cities. But I think they're going to use this concept of wanting to live in the Stone Age to justify rewilding because that's what we want so we can live there. But they're never going to let us live there, yeah. even if we wanted to, which I don't think we're going to want to. But I have to read you the quote from uh, from this event. I really must. I'm sorry to say. Uh, maybe it's not in there. Um, dang it. Oh, yeah, here it is. Some people are now considering what it's like to live in a world shut down by a pandemic. That's what it said in that article. So I saw the article and I read it because I was like, oh, this is definitely the key to why Kaczynski came across my my headlines. Yeah. And then in it, right directly in it, it brings in the coronavirus by saying people are now thinking, oh, my gosh, what if the system shuts down? Yeah. So... Unless you're actually going to do what Kaczynski suggests, which I don't recommend and do not see it as a real possibility, which is a is an, an absolute and total utter revolution of a, a of a magnitude that's never happened before. Yeah. You would just do a half assed revolution and rewild and be corralled in the cities. So I'm not falling for it. <laughs> but I just thought it was interesting to come full circle because yesterday I was like, I'm reading this thing and it's blowing my mind. How, how come I'm allowed to read this? They are putting that stuff in people's heads. People are starting to wonder if the system's going to collapse, especially the healthcare system, because of the Italy thing and China and Japan. People are wondering what's going to happen here. And we talked about the possibility of this opening the door for universal healthcare argument for the uh, 2020 election. But people are starting, I mean, not starting, people are afraid. And there's panic and. How much of it is justified, I don't know, but I can take us out on a little bit of a lighter note, if you like. Sure. It is almost Dolly Parton's 75th birthday. You know Dolly Parton, right? Dolly Parton, she's known for Dollywood and being a country music singer and nothing else. There's nothing very specific about her that there is. Dolly Parton has very, very large breasts. <laughs> they're, they're fake. It does, I know. She admits she knows they're fake. That? She admits they're fake. That's so lame. No, listen to her talk about it. You won't think it's lame. She's very, like, she has a very unique perspective about it. Okay, okay. On her 75th birthday, she wants to do the same thing she did in 1978 when she was 32. She wants to appear on the cover of Playboy magazine. And she says she does not plan to retire. And she told 60 Minutes that she did Playboy when she was younger, and she thought it'd just be a hoot if they go for it again. She doesn't know if they will. And then she said that age is, is just a number and that she's had all kind of nips and tucks and that it helps her look young. And she said, that's the good part with me, though. I have my own look. I look kind of cartoonish and cartoons <laughs> don't really age that much. There's she a, is one smart cookie. I she think is, that kind of confidence and self-awareness is uh, a sign of intelligence. Watch an interview with her. I watched one the other day. She talks about how I'm just a made-up doll. None of this is real. It's, it's hilarious. She's so charming the way she talks <laughs> about it. she's so smart. She writes those great songs. Very smart. Working nine to woman. five. What a woman. Strong woman. I'm with her. You guys can find... Hashtag me too. <laughs> you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to you all tomorrow.